Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Acts chapter 12 from the World English Bible. Now about that time, King Herod stretched out his hands to oppress some of the assembly. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of four soldiers each to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. Peter, therefore, was kept in the prison, but constant prayer was made by the assembly to God for him. The same night when Herod was about to bring him out, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. Guards in front of the door kept the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up, saying, Stand up quickly. His chains fell off his hands. The angel said to him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. He did so. He said to him, Put on your cloak and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He didn't know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them by itself. They went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. When Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I truly know that the Lord has sent out his angel and delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from everything the Jewish people were expecting. Thinking about that, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. When Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, she didn't open the gate for joy, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing in front of the gate. They said to her, You are crazy. But she insisted that it was so. They said, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. When they had opened, they saw him and were amazed. But he, beckoning to them with his hand to be silent, declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. He said, Tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Now, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. When Herod had sought for him and didn't find him, he examined the guards, then commanded that they should be put to death. He went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus, the king's personal aide, their friend, they asked for peace, because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod dressed himself in royal clothing, sat on the throne, and gave a speech to them. The people shouted, 
the voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he didn't give God the glory. Then he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their service, also taking with them John, who was called Mark. That is the end of chapter 12. According to Strong's, Herod means heroic and was a name or title of several kings or rulers over the area that was once the Jewish nation. They were called Jewish kings, but they were Jewish because they ruled the Jews, not because they themselves were Jewish. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says Herod the Great did circulate a rumor about being descended from Jews in Babylon, but there are absolutely no records to substantiate that. The family was actually Idiomaean, which is the Greek form of the word Edom. So they are descended from Esau. They are Edomites. I read a lot of the very gruesome political history of these people of the Herod family in the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. And here is a summary. First of all, the patriarch of the dynasty was Antipas, who was appointed governor of Idiomaea, therefore Edom. And then he died in 78 BC, and his son Antipater succeeded him. Antipater had four sons, one of whom was the one who became known as Herod the Great, which was a title of flattery. This is the Herod who was in charge at the time of Jesus' birth. Herod the Great was known as the Tetrarch of Judea in 41 BC, and then got the title of king in 37 BC from Caesar Augustus. Herod the Great was known for being politically shrewd and extremely cruel. In fact, he killed his favorite Jewish wife, whom he professed to love, due for political reasons of both ambition and suspicion. He reigned for 37 years. When he died in 4 BC, his sons, Archelaus, Antipas, Philip, and another one that starts with a P who just doesn't really enter the picture. They had the kingdom divided between them, but his son Archelaus got half of the kingdom, which covered Judea, Samaria, and Idiomea, and he was the one that Joseph was afraid of in Matthew 2.2. His brother, Herod Antipas, is the one who ruled Galilee and a couple of other areas, and he is the one that Jesus calls a fox in Luke 13.32, and he's also the Herod who beheaded John the Baptist in Matthew 14. In Luke 23, verses 7 through 12, he mocks Jesus and returns him to Pilate. And then, due to bad political advice from his wife Herodias, who asked for John the Baptist to be beheaded, he ended up banished in 37 AD. Another Herod that we hear of in the Bible is Herod Agrippa, and he's the one that is here in Acts 12. He is interesting because he is actually the grandson of Herod the Great through the Jewish wife that was murdered, so he is actually partly Jewish. And we will run into his son, Herod Agrippa II, in Acts 25. I found a pretty good chart of all of this that makes it a lot easier to understand, and I will link to that on the website. 
All of these political details were probably well known to Theophilus, whom Luke was writing to in Acts, and to many of those who read the account in the first century. In verse 2, we have the account of the first of the twelve apostles to be killed. And if you recall, in Matthew 20, 23 is where the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, was asking for a position for them, and Jesus indicates that they would suffer. Now, regarding Peter being imprisoned, to put this kind of in perspective, you can go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 18 and 19, where Peter is told that when he grew older, that he would die a martyr's death. And then he kind of deflects that and asks, well, what about John? And Jesus says, well, if I want him to live until I come back, what is that to you? You follow me. Now, these events here in Acts 12 are probably about somewhere around 15 years later. So he is older. So he could be remembering that. Also remember that he and James, the one who was just martyred, were one of the three in the inner circle who were at the transfiguration that's talked about in Matthew 17 and Mark 9, were the only ones that Jesus took with him in when he healed the little girl in Luke 8, 51 and the ones that he called further up with him in prayer when he was praying so desperately right before the crucifixion. And here in Acts 12, this is already the fourth time that we have recorded that Peter is confronting or confronted by the ruling authorities. In Acts 4.3, they're taken into custody, but then they are let go with a warning. In Acts 5, an angel lets them out of jail. And then also in Acts 5 and verse 40, they are taken again and beaten. And this is all done by the Jewish authorities more directly. But then here in Acts 12, we have Herod doing something because he thinks it pleases the Jews. So not a lot different, but with some more clout. And here we have an angel who is loosing the chains and leading him out. The whole account seems kind of funny, and it seems like it's meant to be kind of funny. So even though in verse 5 it says they are praying for him constantly, the first we see Peter here, he's sleeping between the two guards. And then it's kind of funny the steps that the angel takes to get his attention and get him going. So he shines a bright light. He whacks him to finally wake him up. He tells him to stand up quickly. He tells him to get dressed and put on his sandals. He tells him to grab his coat or cloak, and he tells him to follow. And then in verse 11, Peter finally realizes this isn't a trance. He has been led out by an angel before when he was with a group of other people, but his most recent spiritual experience, you might say, was when he was alone praying and he had a trance. So you can hardly blame him for thinking it was a dream in the middle of the night. Then when the angel gets him to where he leaves him on his own to proceed on his way, he goes to the house of John Mark's mother. This must have been a decent-sized house for all of those people to gather there and then to have a servant. And this John Mark is apparently Barnabas's cousin per Colossians 4.10, and also the John Mark that caused the disagreement between Barnabas and Saul a little later in Acts 15. To continue with the humor, Luke points out that the servant girl is so excited she doesn't even open the door. And rather than go prove that she's not crazy by just showing them that Peter is there, they all just keep arguing about it. Nobody goes to check the door or the gate. Even though they've all been praying for this, when they get an answer to prayer, 
They just don't even expect it. And they think maybe it's a ghost or somebody has sent a message in Peter's name that maybe that's what she is hearing there. And it's only by Peter's persistent knocking that they let him in. In verse 17, Peter explains what happened and then says for them to go tell James and the brothers. Now, this obviously is not James, the brother of John, who was just killed. There was another of the 12 named James, son of Alphaeus, and that is, he's listed in Matthew 10, 3 and Mark 3, 18. And there's also James, the brother of Jesus, as referred to in Matthew 13, 55 through 56, and also 1 Corinthians 15, 7. We saw in Acts 1, 14 that all of Jesus's brothers were praying in accord with everybody else. And the change in James could be seen as parallel to Peter's transformation. Peter was weak and passionate without knowledge, but James was obstinate and mocking. We heard that Jesus's brothers mocked him. But both of these men became pillars in the early church. And in Galatians 1, 18 through 19, Paul refers to James, the brother of Jesus, as an apostle. And so Galatians 2, 9 would also seem to be referring to this same James. All of this, plus the lack of other identifiers in the epistle of James, make it seem that this was that epistle was likely written by James, who was Jesus's brother through Mary. In verse 19, true to his cruel nature, Herod ordered that the guards be killed. And we might be tempted to excuse this as normal for the time, but almost all of the Herods were despicable and murderous. And then Herod accepts worship as a god, so he is eaten by worms and dies. This was not just an innocent one-time mistake he made. This was his own self-worship coming to completion and being exposed. Even Josephus, the well-known historian, says that this Herod got a violent pain in his belly right away as this whole thing was going on, and then he died five days later. But as it goes on in the scripture here, the word of the real one and only God grew and multiplied. And we read of Saul and Barnabas again, returning from Jerusalem. And this seems to be related to them being sent out in Acts 11.30 with the relief for the people in Judea. I looked at a couple of different timelines, and there's nothing in the account here that says exactly which year these things were happening. So there's some estimating going on. But we do know from Galatians chapter 2, verse 1, that it was 14 years after, apparently 14 years after Saul's conversion, that he went again to Jerusalem. So that seems to be the time that has elapsed here. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 